0: welcome to the misfits and mysteries podcast you guys know by now we are your weekly podcast for everything weird and wacky from bigfoot and aliens to psychology and history and everything in between we are your hosts emmy and steve so steve what's up
1: uh not much it's uh, a nice weekend I mean, I'm just happy we have a long weekend, finally. It's been so long.
0: (laughs) I know. MLK weekend.
1: By so long, I mean it's been like three weeks, but it's been a long 2021. We're not going to get into that, but (laughs) it's been a long 2021. So it's nice to have another three-day weekend.
0: You know what I'm going to be doing on my MLK day, though? What? So I really need to clean my apartment. Mm -hmm. And last night, so as Steve, you can see behind me, I have these... Blinds, yeah, but they don't do shit. Like, yeah, I can see it that. Is so bright in the morning, and I can't sleep past like seven a.m. So last night I was like, I want to sleep in, and I tried to just put a blanket over the window just as yeah. like a temporary fix because I'm sick of it. I ended up knocking over three of my plants, so now there is soil everywhere oh my god and i tried to vacuum it last night but i couldn't get it all up there's just soil like in my bed on everything on the floor it's just so gross and i just feel so bad for my plants
1: for plants what kind of plants do you have
0: so i have a ponytail palm Mm -hmm. it kind of looks like what it sounds like it's really cute that's cool Um, and two cactuses
1: nice i have a venus flytrap. That I, I named Rona. That's my birthday present.
0: But aren't they kind of hard to take care of?
1: I mean, flies always find a way in my house. So Rona's in a weird purgatory. So my birthday is in March. So I had to go with my dad to Home Depot during the pandemic, and I jokingly said I always wanted a Venus flytrap, so he bought one for me because they have them at Home Depot, right? Yeah. And it's been around ever since. And so Rona was doing so so well. With
2: corona? Yeah, for
1: a coronavirus. That's <laughs> and so. Funny. Oh, Rona was doing so well. And then I went to Vermont for two weeks. And Rona just never quite rebound. It has little tiny heads, but it's not dead. So I don't know what to do. But I still but water you, Rona. because you
0: weren't watering it or what?
1: Yeah, so they live in like swamps in real life. So they need a lot of water. And I guess I forgot to water it before I went. We had no power for like a week, so I kind of got distracted. But for a while, Rona was thriving. So Rona was living outside. I put rona in like we have these planters where we grow vegetables i put i put the venus flytrap in one of those so it just ate all the time yeah we got natural rain and thriving a lot of the heads have died and it just hasn't quite rebounded but as a little baby head so i'm confident it's going to exist next year
0: yeah probably just needs needs a little love
1: yeah so that's the only plant i have <laughs>
0: I'm just really worried about my palm because he needs a lot of sunshine Mm -hmm. and there's no real place for me to put it where it gets like
2: sunshine
0: it really needs so it looks kind of sick and then last night it was on my floor so (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little worried about him but
1: hopefully makes it (laughs) so we have a great episode planned for you guys we have a very special guest on we have A little bit. Oh, my God. Poor, poor plant.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Keep going.
1: So we have a very special guest on. It's a little different than usual. We have my friend, Zach Kuhn on. He's in the music industry in Nashville. He is an artist promoter. He has a company called Backboard Entertainment. And he has a podcast, The Zach Kuhn Show, and a very popular newsletter in Nashville called The Nashville Briefing. I know this is a little different than usual because we usually have people who have weirder wacky jobs but it was an interesting interview he's a good friend of mine i thought it's a nice change of pace and then we also have some cool interesting cryptid stuff which we don't always talk about cryptids but today we're talking about cryptids
0: today we're talking
2: about
1: cryptids. i'm talking about some bigfoot attacks that was this was originally brought to my attention by one of our fans so i'm going to cover that i did a whole history of a few of them and what are you doing emmy
0: I am talking about Thunderbird. Some history, and then also some past encounters.
1: Mm-hmm. Exciting. And then we're wrapping it up. We're back on the Kid Nation train. We're on episode 10. There's two more episodes left, guys. It's kind of sad, but we'll find something else to fill that void once Kid Nation's over.
2: Yeah.
1: Perhaps Pinocchio. <laughs> In <Maybe>. space. <laughs> In space. Yeah. So... Some last minute things before we jump to the episode. If you're enjoying our show in general, please make sure you or you rate and review on iTunes. It really helps us. Uh, when we have good ratings and reviews, it makes us more visible. on the iTunes charts and helps us grow, which helps us grow our brand. And eventually we'll be able to do this full time, which would be awesome. And also go to our website, sign up for our newsletter. You don't want to miss out. Um, it's MisfitsAndMysteries.com. And our final announcement is that we're now TikTok teens. You can find us on TikTok. Not
2: teens. We're not but... teenagers,
1: but they always call them TikTok teens, so we're officially TikTok teens because we're on there. I'm <laughs> definitely not a teenager. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been a teenager. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's hop into the episode.
0: Jump Ben. All right. So today we are going to be talking about Thunderbird. So Thunderbird is a cryptid. And it comes out of Native American mythology, actually, uh, across the United States and Canada. And he's pretty prevalent in more remote places like Alaska. Mm -hmm. But a lot of Native American tribes have kind of their own version of Thunderbird that's a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. we won't get too into the nitty-gritty of that. So basically, Thunderbird is a supernatural bird that is huge. It's said to have a wingspan of over 20 feet, but some people say it's even bigger than that. And some people say that it actually eats whales.
1: It eats (laughs) whales.
0: It picks whales up out of the water (laughs) and eats them. So that's a big, big fucking bird. But why they call it a Thunderbird is actually the Native Americans believed that the bird was so big that it was actually able to create storms mm-hmm. because its wings were so powerful that it could, could create thunder. And I think the coolest part is that it could shoot lightning out of its eyeballs.
1: That's pretty sweet.
0: Isn't <laughs> that sick?
1: So one thing I'm wondering, I don't know if it is related at all, but did you ever do the Pokemons when you were a kid? Oh, Yeah. Do you remember Zapdos? That was the uh, legendary one. That was the Thunderbird.
0: Yes. I wonder
1: if Zapdos is based off of that. Probably. I bet. I think Zapdos is my favorite. It was Zapdos, Miltrae, and Articuno. I love Pokemon. At least the first, like, three iterations of it. Like, the ones that are on the Game Boy.
0: Yeah, I didn't do the cards or anything, but I did the Game Boy
1: i have so many pokemon cards i never played like the trading card game i just love the cards i love pokemon my
0: brother's (laughs) really into it
1: yeah all right so So, yeah back to that
0: anyways (laughs) so that's why it mostly shows up when there's inclement weather Mm -hmm. which i think kind of adds to the mystery of it because it's okay the weather's bad like you can't really see that well i think that you'll like this detail actually all right So in some cultures, they believe that the Thunderbird picks up humans and (laughs) brings them back to its whatever, like cave Mm -hmm. or whatever, marries them, (laughs) and they just like have a family.
1: So it's just like you get married to a Thunderbird?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like consensual. Like, you know, they just like get married. So if
1: if you say no, do they bring you back home?
0: I don't know. That that was not...
1: Or it's like they would, but everyone's so afraid they never snow.
0: I don't want to think too much into it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: but the best part about it is obviously the babies are half human, half Thunderbird.
1: So can they fly? Are they like humans that can fly?
0: Well, they are Thunderbirds that have the ability to shapeshift into human form. Oh,
1: that's pretty cool.
0: So like a coat, like take their feathers off. Mm-hmm and tip their beak up over their head so they're wearing like kind of like a mask i guess Mm -hmm. and they'll just like walk around as like a normal
1: human like
0: a transformer
1: transformer is awesome no one actually has thought of it's kind of weird so not like the idea that they say only like a tenth of one percent of everything that's ever lived can be fossilized what if these things actually existed and they just didn't fossilize how fucking wild would that be And
0: we're just like oh like cute legend it's like
1: no there's a creature that actually existed that would pull its beak back and pretend to be a human that'd be pretty wild that'd be insane
0: and just to go a little bit into the origins in general like the thunderbird is kind of both seen as this really cool mythical creature that's like a protector Mm-hmm. But it's also an enforcer, so it could kill you if you're doing something bad, but it also, like, protects people from evil. Yeah. So, one theory is that the Native Americans just kind of use this as a way to, like, explain life and death. But in general, they think that it might have been a constellation.
2: Ooh, so it's saw. like
1: sun is in the stars?
0: Yeah, saw in the stars. Or... Alternatively, the Thunderbird actually existed.
1: Don't they say that, wait, I, are you going to get to this, the California condor?
0: Well, I was going to say, the California condor might explain some of the more recent sightings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But back in, like, way, way, way back in the day.
1: Like Paleo America.
0: Yes. They think that it actually might have been pterodactyls. That kind of just like survived longer than some other dinosaurs for whatever reason mm-hmm. and that's how the legend formed and then they died out
1: that is pretty sweet isn't that
2: sweet
1: <laughs> that'd be so cool i mean it's, it's not so i have a hard time believing that like oh, i another call but like the really really big pterodactyls what's like mm-hmm. the, there's a name for them i have a hard time believing that they survived solely because like the amount of oxygen that they need to function but i could buy that like a smaller variant of it survived a lot longer because smaller things tend to survive these mass extinction events because they don't need as much oxygen let's say to survive
0: that's very interesting
1: i mean look i'm no scientist but i'm just saying hypothetically what if a smaller one survived and then they eventually over thousands of years evolved to be bigger because that just made sense of their niche or whatever and then that's where the Thunderbirds came. That'd be so cool.
2: Yeah.
0: That's the explanation I'm going with.
1: Yeah, that's pretty sweet.
0: So do you want to hear about some sightings?
1: Uh, Of course.
0: So there are some, like, obviously a lot of, like, older, more historical sightings, but Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about ones that are a bit more recent. So this is in 1977. This is probably one of the most popular Mm-hmm. sightings so this was the low family and they lived in illinois so there's this little kid marlin and he's 10 years old he's playing around outside and his mom hears marlin screaming and she looks outside and there are two massive birds like 20 foot wingspan birds Attacking her son and and chasing him around, mm-hmm. and according to the story, they actually were able to grab him and carried him a distance of forty feet. Mm-hmm. And this is like a sixty pound kid,
2: wow. so imagine
0: how big the bird has to be to pick up a sixty pound like
1: the size of this room,
0: probably. Yeah, that's a big
1: bird. That's humongous.
0: And apparently this family just saw this and had to explain it somehow.
1: That's insane. Right? So my whole thing with these stories is like, which I'll also get into when I talk about my part about like Bigfoot attacks is it's weird. It's like, sometimes these stories seem really fake and like, especially the newer ones, because now we have the internet and there's actual value in being famous. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you go like farther back, like even the seventies, right? Your fame would extend to just people who read like a local newspaper That's when I get to that point where it's like, sure, I don't necessarily believe in these things, but why would you lie about this if all it's going to do is make your name popular in the local community and potentially have people think less of you?
0: Yeah, I really haven't heard any explanations for this story that are super convincing.
1: Mm -hmm. What are some of the explanations that you've heard?
0: Maybe they were abusive parents.
1: That's possible.
0: needed to explain it or it was just like a really big fucking bird.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's like some of these things is like, sure. Some of the Bigfoot sightings can be explained away as obviously a bear, but sometimes you have these things where it's like, but is it a bear? There's not an adequate explanation. That's like what I gravitate towards. Some of these like older stories. Cause I find them in a weird way. I feel like any story happened in the 1800s is probably less credible than it is now. But they feel more credible because it's like, why would you lie about that back then?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is like, and this is just totally speculation. People were bored back then.
1: They were pretty bored.
0: People before technology, like people were really bored. And I think a lot of the ways that people passed the time was storytelling. Mm -hmm. So if you had a good story, that's just one of my
2: theories. I I
1: do really buy that because if you have a good story... And people believe it. That's a way to pass the time. And it's the same thing as now. When you go out with your friends or like a group of people, if you have a good story, you want to tell it. And people embellish now.
0: Yeah. And people really react well to people who have great stories, you
2: know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is part of the reason that I have some great stories that don't really go with our podcast. I don't want to tell because my (laughs) biggest fear of that is if you put all your best stories out there and you become like famous then what are you going to tell people to entertain them if you're out at like a dinner or something?
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of how it is when you know someone really well, Mm -hmm. like you've known them your whole life and you know all of each other's stories. And then it's like, okay, well, I can't impress you now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's like different than like, I, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not anywhere near that. But just imagine being in a position, like let's say hypothetically, you're going on a date with someone who happens to have listened to your show And they know all your stories. Wouldn't that be like a nightmare? Because you can't like entertain them because they know it already.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So I guess I kind of buy your thing where it's like, hey, I got to be interesting. Let me embellish this story a bit. And uh uh-oh, it got really out of hand. (laughs) Yeah, just a theory. I buy that. I like that theory. Yeah.
0: I'll tell you about one more sighting. Go for it. So this was in 1999 Mm -hmm. in Alaska. And there's actually an entire History Channel segment about yeah. this. It's like a 40-minute thing.
2: Yeah. Uh, like an
1: episode of a show?
0: Yeah. It was really dramatic.
1: <laughs> was it that show, Monster Quest?
0: No, it's. I think it's called Missing in Alaska.
1: I've heard of that show, yeah.
0: So the whole premise of the show is that there's something called the Alaskan Triangle. hmm And... It's just like the Bermuda Triangle where, like, apparently a lot of people go missing.
2: Is it
1: the area that all the planes go down?
0: Yeah. If you look at the triangle, it takes up pretty much the entire state of Alaska. It's like like just the parts that are, like, only ice and snow that aren't included in the triangle. So I guess within this triangle, five out of every 1,000 people go missing each year, which seems like a lot.
1: It does. But then you got to also consider that Alaska is an incredibly dangerous place. Yeah. It's not like you're hiking in a national park. It's like you're camping out in the elements. There's wolves, bears, and the cold. There's a litany of things that will kill you.
0: And if you're trying to go missing, go off the grid, Alaska is the place to be. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Like people probably go missing on purpose in Alaska. Yeah. You know? So, but that's the whole premise of the show is that they have these three guys. One's a former police officer. One's like an expert on Alaskan urban legends. And then Mm. one other guy, I can't remember what he does, but the three of them kind of go out and investigate weird happenings. Yeah. So that takes me to... This episode, they were investigating the disappearance of this woman named Jenna Miller. Mm -hmm. So I guess there's this mountain named Mount Marathon. And the legend of the mountain is that there's like this three mile trail to the top. Yeah. And there was this legend that there was this guy who made it up and down the mountain in an hour or something. Yeah. Now every year they have a race just like for fun. That Um, sounds
1: dangerous.
0: (laughs) Where they go up and down the mountain. So Jenna is training for the race on Mountain Marathon. And while she's running up, there's this hiker named Marlo that walks by her. And he's like, hey, there's a storm coming. Yeah, So you might want to like head back down. And she's like, ah, like, whatever. I'm just going to, like, quickly go to the top and and go back down. Terrible idea. (laughs) Terrible idea. But Marlo was also, like, so Marlo was walking up at the same time she was running up. Mm. And Marlo claims that when he got to the top of the mountain, he saw a bird that was the size of a small plane headed towards Jenna. Uh Uh-huh. And that's the last that he saw. And Jenna never made it down the mountain and has never been seen since.
1: So are we sure that he didn't just murder her?
0: That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> so, like, that's but, a perfect explanation. Like, oh, Big Bird just picked her up. Like- okay.
1: Yes. So there are a few of these stories I'm to go into where it's like, they're unexplained, but I'm also like, I think you killed your friend and we're like, no, it was this mysterious ape man who bit him in half. It's like, no, I, th- I think that you- murdered him that was my first thought
2: yeah
0: these alaskan missing guys were like no it's definitely a bird her body was never found they didn't find any remains any signs of anything like they didn't Mm. find her clothes there's no blood and you'd think if you got attacked by a large bird there would be blood
1: yeah unless it just picked her up
0: and scooped her but like scooped her
1: and ate her elsewhere
0: but, like, the talons going into you, wouldn't there be blood?
1: I don't really know the logistics of a giant bird scooping up a fully grown woman.
0: It seems likely to me that she was murdered by this guy. But...
1: Or she fell.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you're thinking, like, it's raining. It's muddy out. She definitely could have slipped. Yeah. So.
1: But that I... guy did murder her, and his alibi was a giant bird swooped her up. And everyone's and like, yeah, that. to check out. Yeah, he bought three. Everyone's a fucking moron around it. oh if that's the case that's stupid but at the same time like what if an actual giant bird did swoop her up they don't want someone going to jail
0: that would be like if he murdered her and he's like this is the story i'm gonna go with not yeah. like never saw her or like yeah, or
1: like why would you put yourself in the crime scene
0: yeah i mean he could just be like i was walking like she ran past me yeah and- walking up and i i didn't see her again not like big bird
1: yeah do you happen to do any research about like the california condor stuff because i think that's kind of interesting those are interesting birds
0: i didn't do too much research into it now
1: the most i know about them is i actually happened to see a tiktok maybe even yesterday ironically enough about california condors the san diego zoo i believe it is got permission however many decades ago to start breeding them again and they took the population from 20 to like 250
0: that's awesome. I've always thought that they were so cool.
1: Well, part of the problem with them is like, it's awesome that they're bringing them back. But part of the reason they're dying out is that the California condors, they're evolved to feed on the corpses of megafauna, like uh mammoth. So their food supplies doesn't exist anymore, which is a problem.
0: Well, how have they survived since then?
1: Well, so here's the thing. It's like they're able to eat, right? But they're designed to eat the corpse of like a mammoth, Right. So yeah. it's gonna be hard to sustain a really large I'm not saying that we need to let them die out by any means. I'm saying part of the problem with them is it's not just what we're doing, it's also that like their food sources have just gotten smaller and they're evolved to eat like mammoth corpses. Yeah. So that's part of their issue. But it was interesting. It's cool that making a comeback. They're cool. They're gigantic. They're yeah. ugly too, but they're beautiful, like their wingspan at least.
0: I remember looking in a bird book when I was a kid and being like, that is the coolest thing ever.
1: They're really neat, I will say. Condors and like vultures, it's interesting how ugly they are. (laughs) They're
0: really ugly. Great, you want to tell us about Bigfoot?
1: Yeah, so I researched Bigfoot attacks because this was brought to my attention by one of our fans through DMs, which was awesome because I didn't really know what I was going to talk about this week. All right. So there are a couple of attacks that I left out that are more recent solely because I have like a harder time believing some of the things that came out in like the 2000s, just because there's so much more value in being allegedly assaulted by Bigfoot in 2015 than there was in 1875, you know, or whenever it was. So I just have a hard time believing it because you can benefit financially so much from having a credible Bigfoot attack story now than you could then. You could sell that to like the History Channel, right? You can do like a press tour, write a book. In like 1850, everyone's gonna think you're a fucking lunatic. So I find those a little bit more credible. At the same time, I do feel bad for these people. What if it actually happened, you know? And no one believes you.
0: No one believes them.
1: So that's where it's interesting. So- the first account, it's not the very first account of a Bigfoot attack. They go way back to the 1800s. And the interesting thing is Bigfoot's never attacked anyone until white people got involved. Just putting that out there. So,
2: okay.
1: yeah, interesting. So <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt's 1893 memoir, The Wilderness Hunter. I feel like pretty much everyone knows this, but just in case, Teddy Roosevelt was a really big naturalist he actually shot most of the animals that are in the museum of natural history, which is tragic, but that's like, he collected 2000 specimens himself. So he killed a lot of animals and brought them back here. And he also captured a lot of them alive and brought them back to zoos. So he was a really big outdoorsman. So he knew the American wilderness really well. So basically this is a tale that he heard through his, some point in his life that really stuck with him. And it was basically, they didn't name it a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch, but it was basically a Bigfoot attack. All right. As Teddy Roosevelt put it, a grizzled, weather-beaten old mountain hunter named Bonham, who was born and passed all his life on the frontier, told him this story. So we don't really know who Bonham is. They have a guess because there was a, a German guy last named Bonham who lived in Montana in the 1800s. We don't actually know who this guy is. So... According to this tale that Bonham told Teddy, as a young man, he and one of his friends set out in the Montana territory to trap beavers. And they went up this mountain pass where the year prior, a lone trapper had been killed by some sort of unidentified beast. His quote, half eaten remains being afterwards found by some mining prospects who had passed his camp only the night before. Sorry if these quotes sound kind of funny people wrote and talked a little differently in the 1800s. Yeah. So the two men left their horses at the foot of this pass and they climbed up a small glade where they went to set up a camp. So they set up a simple like lean-to and then they left to go set their beaver traps for a few hours. And when they got back, their lean-to was knocked over and the contents of their bags were scattered everywhere. And there are these two... Bear-like footprints that were bigger than a bear's foot, standing by their bags. Right, and one of the trappers said that that bear has been walking on two legs. And Bonham laughs this off because it's silly to think that a bear was walking on two legs. You know,
0: I think they do sometimes. They
1: but... do sometimes. He's like, "This is silly. There's no way a bear walked all the way on two legs. Like,
2: right.
1: for whatever reason, some of the paws aren't showing." Right. Yeah. And so it's like, whatever. And then he sort of laughed the idea off. And when they went to sleep, Bonham was woken up in the middle of the night by what he claimed was an unpleasant stench and the feeling of, quote, a great body at the entrance of their shelter. So he fired his rifle and the beast retreated.
0: Interesting. The
1: next day, after hours at the stream checking their traps, the hunters returned to the camp and found that their lean-to was destroyed yet again and the same footprints trailed away from the camp towards a brook. And that night they hardly slept because they kept hearing twigs snap and they heard this awful woeful cries echoing throughout the woods around them
2: Mm.
1: and the next morning the two guys were like hey this is too creepy let's get out of here so they spent most of the day gathering their traps from the stream and Bauman volunteered to retrieve the last three traps alone and ended up taking him a few hours to get them and when he returned to camp he found the still warm body of his friend against a tree with awful fang marks piercing his broken neck. Wow. And there are telltale footprints surrounding the victim, but the beast didn't devour his flesh. It just killed him. So neither Bonham nor Teddy Roosevelt ever identified this creature as a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot, but based on the fact that it was described as being bipedal, smelling terrible and making a prolonged screaming noise throughout the woods. It matches the description of the local, like Native American, the indigenous people stories of Sasquatch.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: they think that this is a Sasquatch attack.
2: And it's
0: interesting that it didn't eat him.
1: Yeah. That's the thing that's confusing is that it didn't eat him. And that's what I found so fascinating about it is because my immediate thought is, are there mountain lions in Montana? I don't really know, are there?:
0: I have no idea.
1: And then I thought, wait a second, it wouldn't matter because what mountain lion? because how big cats kill things first of all is they suffocate their victim. That's how they're like designed to kill. They suffocate. Yeah so there wouldn't be the fang marks. And also, a mountain lion would have eaten him. It wouldn't have just like yeah. killed him and ran away. right. And then that's also not the MO of a bear, and bears have more than four teeth.
0: Well, that's what kind of confused me is does a Sasquatch have fangs? I don't know. I didn't think it did. You never really heard about their teeth.
1: You don't. That's what I found so fascinating is like, it's possible, as you're saying, this is a great story to tell, right? It could be completely fabricated. But if we're just pretending that for a second that this man actually experienced this, I mean, the option one is he murdered his friend. Right. And like his 1800s, this is the story he was recounting. So he wrote about it in 1893. This could have happened in like 1812 or something crazy like that, you know? It could have happened so long ago. So we don't know.
0: Way before forensics or before anyone really cared.
1: I know. It's like, oh, he died? I'm just not sure. I find it hard to believe that something killed him. The other thing that's suspicious is if they're both panicking about this, Why would you go alone to pick up the traps?
2: That's true.
1: So I don't know. It's a good story, but it just made me think. So then I did some more research. We're going to travel back in time a little bit here. So the earliest reported Sasquatch attack that I could find was in 1829 in Georgia. In Okefenokee Swamp, I think. I don't know how to pronounce that. It became national news. Like A newspaper in Connecticut was reporting on this.
0: Okay.
1: So two men had apparently ventured out in the swamp to explore, and they brought a young boy with them. I don't know why they brought the young boy. He plays zero role in this entire story. They just mentioned it. (laughs) Okay. He must have actually been there. And at some point, they found these strange prints that measured 18 inches long and 9 inches wide. in the deep part of the swamp, they were freaked out and made their way home. Mm -hmm. So- a group of local hunters were interested in this tale, and one of the men who saw the footprints took them to the spot where he saw them. The men found vestiges of the tracks and followed them deeper into the swamp for several days. Which is definitely to your point that no one had anything going on if they could hunt an imaginary creature for seven days. Yeah. Apparently, one evening as a group was in camp, they reported that a giant hairy creature attacked them from the brush, and five men and the creature itself ended up dying. So there are seven guys total and five died. Wow. And they examined the beast's dead carcass and they found it measured 13 feet tall and was covered in coarse hair. The men, of course, were frightened. So they retreated without the dead body of the creature or their companions. Mm-hmm. Because they're afraid that things would happen, right? So no one knows it actually happened If uh, here, if it's true or not. It was reported on all over the country. But the shame of it is, if they could have just brought that body with them that they allegedly got, we know for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, there have been some, like, Bigfoot bodies found, but, like, none of them seem very credible.
1: Yeah, I know. And this is 1829, so who knows? So then another California story. This is another quick one. Then I have two that are more famous. So one is Northern California. These were attacks on lumberjacks. So... November 27th, 1895, the San Francisco newspaper called The Call. So this paper is actually uncovered recently by Lauren Coleman, who is the curator and owner, I guess, of the International Cryptozoology Museum in Maine. So this is from the article. It says, a lumberman who returned today from the forest in the north of the state brings the most harrowing intelligence of the doings of a wild man in the lumber region of the West Branch. He states that great consternation... What the hell, what's that word mean? I don't know. Great consternation has been caused, and a large number of lumbermen have left the camp and returned to their cities rather than face the monster. For over two months, quite a number of men have disappeared from the camps, and when found bore the semblance of having had an encounter with some wild animal. Their bodies, in every instance have been terribly mangled and torn. A lumberman who returned to a camp a little north of the city a week ago startled all by stating that while at work, he had been attacked by this wild man and it was only by the help of his axe that he had been able to defend himself from the murderous attacks. Since that time, he has been seen by the crew several times, but on their approach, he fled into the deep woods with the speed of a deer. He is described as being nearly like an animal that it is almost impossible to detect him from one. He has a long shaggy beard and is covered with a huge skin coat. The general belief is that he is a sportsman who has become lost in the deep woods. And after wandering around for weeks has gone hopelessly crazy and already there have been over half a dozen instances of similar characters in the state. Wow. This is from a newspaper in 1895. So, yeah, and is not sure how credible this is but at the same time it's like there are a lot of stories not even this bigfoot of like weird stuff like this happening you know mm-hmm. and it's like we don't really know what caused it but it, it makes you think it does so next we're gonna do the last two stories and they're from ape canyon do you know where ape canyon is I do not. So, Ape Canyon is a gorge along the edge of the Plains of Abraham on the southeast shoulder of Mount St. Helen. So, it's basically on Mount St. Helen. Okay. And the reason it got its name as Ape Canyon is because of a violent encounter between a group of miners and a gang of big feet in 1924. So, Fred Beck, Gabe LeFair, John Peterson... Myron Smith and Smith's son, Roy. So I guess Roy Smith, they were gold prospectors. So they had like a cabin in this region, right? Where they use as a home base to prospect for gold. So they claimed that they were eight miles from Spirit Lake when they encountered four giant animals that were walking erect on two legs with a human-like stride. They're covered in long black hair with ears about four inches long and sticking up straight. And they had short, stubby toes and weighed around 400 pounds. They're also seven feet tall. So right off the bat, it doesn't sound like a black bear, but pointy ears, that's a black bear. Yeah. That's a black bear. I'm sorry, but...
0: I've never seen a Bigfoot with pointy ears.
1: Bigfoots always have like human ears, right? Yeah. So that description is funky. So the thing is, the story has changed a lot. I'm trying to go with the version that was originally told in the Oregon newspaper, Mm -hmm. Because as the guy got older, the story changed a lot and got more eccentric the older he got. We're going to try and stick to the original version. Because I imagine if it was real and wasn't fabricated, that's the most true-to-life version. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So one of the men apparently was terrified and fired his rifle at the creature and struck it three times. The animal fell off a cliff and was presumed to be dead. So the men were like sort of forgot about what was going on. And they went back to their cabin and they were just hanging out, having a good time. And then suddenly in the middle of the night, they started getting a knocking on their roof. And then their entire cabin seemed to start shaking. And the prospectors freaked out and immediately grabbed their rifles. And all of a sudden, large rocks were being hurtled at the cabin and they're breaking holes, shattering windows and two hot rocks hit Beck and knocked him out for about two hours. And the Go man, claimed, which is like, that's terrible. That's true. That's so bad for your body and brain. Like
0: that doesn't happen.
1: I think you'd be dead if you're unconscious for two hours. Yeah. The men claimed to have seen dozens of these tall, hairy creatures outside. And throughout the night, the men fired wildly in all directions, hoping mm-hmm. to scare them off. They claim that the siege lasted all night long. And the man finally managed to escape the next morning. And soon the story is published in a local paper and... When they went back to the cabin with a sheriff or a park ranger or something to prove their story, the guy's like, you put these rocks here. These weren't thrown at you. <laughs> the ranger didn't really buy it, but local Native Americans suggest that the men came across a tribe of seven to eight tall, hairy men with supernatural powers that they call the hmm. And According to the tribe, the members of the sciatic were very shy and were rarely seen by humans. But if you happen to kill one of them, they'd come back with vengeance.
0: Mm.
1: And I just thought this was a fascinating story because there's a good chance that they made this up because they actually found gold and they wanted to scare everyone off. Yeah. But I thought it was a fascinating story because it sort of matches up with this native folklore and also gave this place the nickname Ape Canyon. And The next story also happened in Ape Canyon. This one is in 1950, and this one's actually a doozy. It reminded me actually a lot of the story you told about the woman who allegedly was taken by a Thunderbird. Okay. So in May of 1950, mountaineer and skier Jim Carter mysteriously disappeared in Ape Canyon while he was on a climbing expedition with 20 other people, and it was a, a warm Sunday in May. So basically on this hike, he was like a guide pretty much. So he's like a very experienced outdoorsman. He knows what he's doing. So the t- group of 20, they're all from Seattle, right? And so he left them at this place called Dog's Head. And he was going to ski around and take a picture of the group as they skied down to Timberland. So Only it's a
0: warm Sunday in May and he's skiing?
1: Yeah, but on a mountain. Okay. That part's definitely true because they had a search and rescue after them. Right? Yeah, I just and that
0: just sounds weird to me, but yeah, it's it weird.
1: It is weird. So basically, Carter told him he'd ski around and take a picture of them. And that was the last time anyone saw Carter.
2: Hmm.
1: The search and rescue came out the next day and they found his picture box, as I called it. I guess camera is what they should have said. So the rescue team found a discharged film box at the point where he had taken the picture, but they don't say anything about what he took a picture of. I want to know.
0: Weird.
1: What do you take a picture of?
0: I do feel you... like if there was a picture of the Bigfoot, they would have said know. that.
1: Yeah, they would have said that. We would have known about that. I still want to know what it was of, though. Yeah. What <laughs> the search and rescue determined based on the ski tracks. They said that from there, Carter eventually took off down the mountain in a wild, death-defying dash. To quote Bob Lee, who is one of the Seattle Mountain Search and Rescue members who did this case, Carter was taking chances that no skier of his caliber would, would take unless something was terribly wrong or he was being pursued. Hmm. Bob also reports that while he was there searching for him, whenever he was alone, he said there was a constant eerie feeling as if someone was watching you from the woods. To quote him directly from an interview from like the, the interview that happened back then, it was the most eerie experience I'd ever had. There was something strange on the high slope of the mountain. I could feel the hair on the on my neck standing up. It was eerie. I was unarmed except for my ice axe, and believe me, I never let go of that. Carter's complete disappearance is an unsolved mystery to this day. Dr. Otto Trot, Lee Stark, and I finally came to the conclusion that the mountain devils got him.
0: The mountain devils. Yeah. Um, if he's being pursued, you'd think that there would be like Bigfoot tracks.
1: That's like, what I was thinking. You'd think that there'd be some sort of tracks. So they said that it was as if he was being chased because he was careening down steep embarkments and hurtling recklessly over crevices, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This is not something that you would do unless something was seriously wrong. Yeah. And we know it couldn't have been an avalanche because all his tracks were still there. After about two weeks and nearly 100 rescuers searching for him, they never found his body.
0: Well, what if he was taken by the Bigfoot and then his skis were just going down the mountain?
1: That's a really, really good point actually
0: but i guess they wouldn't be going like together
1: yeah that would be unlikely (laughs) the reason that dr otto trot came to the conclusion that mountain devils got him or i guess that's what the people of washington referred to the people in the original ape canyon attack as is because allegedly there have been 25 reports of being harassed and attacked by these ape-like creatures in mount saint helen over a 20-year period And one of the more famous ones was a pack, as they uh, described them, a pack of visiting Boy Scouts from Centralia who were unharmed, but were supposedly scared out of their minds after being charged by one of these beasts. Mm -hmm. So that one's interesting because even if it wasn't Bigfoot, like no one knows what happened to Carter. He just vanished. He was escaping something. They don't know what it was.
0: But it had to be something.
1: It had to be something. I don't really have many ideas, but like, yeah, something got him.
0: It was just like losing his mind.
1: It's possible. It's also possibly lost his mind. We don't know for sure, but I just think that these stories are so fascinating because like they're probably not true, but at the same time, it's like, imagine if it's actually happened to you and no one believed you.
2: Yeah. So it's the worst
1: thing
0: that could happen.
1: That's the shame of it all. It's like, all these stories could be true, but no one would believe you.
0: Well, that's just the nature of Bigfoot.
1: Yeah. Nature of Bigfoot. All right, guys. Welcome back. We're joined by Zach Kuhn from the Nashville Briefing. He is a artist promoter. It's Blackboard Entertainment, correct? You know, it's called
3: Backboard. Oh, Backboard. <laughs> <laughs> everyone always says Blackboard so I kind of feel like I maybe picked the wrong name for my company, but I'll tell you why I named it Backboard Entertainment because it's right. a great story. <laughs> now, I don't know if I should actually be telling this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Do when it. I was a senior in college, it was like my last week of school, I was studying for finals. At Berkeley, there were these little study hall mm. or like study rooms that you could rent out. So my buddy and I were studying one of these and we're taking a break and we're just like talking, shooting the shit. And we're like, you know, it'd be really funny if we custom made a plaque that said we donated this room to the college and if we just put it on the wall <laughs> then know? like who would take it down how would anyone even know and he was like that's genius we have to do that and i said okay but i don't think we can use our names because they'll come after us so we have to come up with like a fake company <laughs> that we can put on this plaque that we can put on the wall so we're going back and forth and we're like thinking of names and for whatever reason, like the name backboard entertainment came into my head.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like that
3: that sounds legit. Let's do it. So we ordered the plaque. We got it a couple of days later and we went in and we super glued the plaque onto the wall in the room. <laughs> and last I heard, which was like a couple months ago, this is like three years ago, I graduated college, but last I heard the plaque is still up. <laughs> take it down. So no, who's going to take it down? So that room was donated by my company, Backboard Entertainment. I probably shouldn't have told that story because I'm probably going to get ratted out now. But um, <laughs> so I had to figure out what I was going to I had to go register mm-hmm. my LLC and all my business paperwork. I was trying to mm-hmm. come up with a I said, fuck, I'm calling it Backboard Entertainment. That's fuck.
1: incredible. And then you also are the owner of the Nashville Briefing, which is a very big, very well-respected newsletter in Nashville. And you're also a podcaster. And you run the Zach Kuhn Show.
3: Is that out? is all accurate.
1: Mm-hmm. All <laughs> accurate here. statements.
3: It's almost <laughs> like you've worked with me for the past year. It's
1: almost like I do all your SEO work.
3: It's almost <laughs> like you do all my SEO work. I know. And run
1: the back end of your website. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. But so, yeah. I've known Zach for a long time. Our, our moms are actually family friends. So I've known Zach literally my entire life. Our parents have been friends since like what, high school? I think so, yeah. I think maybe earlier. I have no idea. So yeah, I've known Zach literally my entire life. I work with Zach pretty frequently. He's a great guy. And I thought he'd be very interesting to bring on the show. I hope I don't disappoint. I don't think you're gonna. So awesome. I guess a very pressing question that we would like to know, and also would be a two-parter is, so first of all, how do you convince famous people and high-end executives at other um, music labels and stuff to come on your show? And to go with that, who's the, most, who's the coolest and, mo- and also most interesting person that you've had on or you've gotten a chance to speak with?
3: It's a great question. This is something that kind of escapes me. Where I'm blown away by some of the people that say yes to come onto my show, and I feel really like honored and really privileged that I get most people who I email come onto my show. And I think maybe it's because I've perfected the cold email. I'm not sure. Like I've thought about editing it. I'm like, no, I have amazing <laughs> success with this email. Um, I think early on, what I did was I went after the people who were really, really successful, but retired, Mm -hmm. who they maybe had like a little more time on their hands or maybe were a little more willing to come on a podcast. Mm -hmm. But they were legends. Like one of my first guests was this guy named Joe Galante, who was one of the heads of Sony Music and just had an amazing career in the industry. But he's retired, so he had like more time on his hand. So I got a couple people like that and then once I got a couple of people like that, I think it like established some level of credibility. Right. And when I started emailing other people and dropping their names, they kind of knew that I was sort of credible. And then at this point, I think that like once I put a couple of names in an email of who's been on my show, mm-hmm. I try to tailor the names to who I think is going to react. Whoever I'm e- emailing, I try to tailor my names that I put in the email to whoever I think they're going to react to. But I think once I got a couple people on the show who were like mm-hmm. significant, then it just gave me a level of credibility. I'm sometimes blown away and I keep trying to go bigger and bigger and bigger and thinking they're going to say no. And then they say, yes, I did get a no recently, which really hurt because Ooh. I really wanted to happen. I was aiming really big and Paul McCartney just came out with a new album in mm-hmm. the line of press. I thought, holy shit. That would be incredible. <laughs> what if I got Paul McCartney on the podcast? That
2: would be could, unreal. <laughs>
3: could I do it? I didn't even know if it could be done, but but I was like, could I do it? So I messaged everyone I knew and I was like, who's his publicist? Who's his publicist? Mm -hmm. Finally, I got his publicist's email and I sent them an email. I spent like two days crafting the perfect email. I sent it off and I I got a really nice rejection. He was super nice. He said, Paul McCartney is not doing any more press. In fact, he's not doing anything at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But if he does, we will. It was like he wrote this whole email that was super nice. So I got rejected by Paul McCartney. But but most other people that I reach out to... um, I'm yeah, they, a lot of people say, yes, I'm,
1: I'm very great. That's awesome. So just an idea I had just now, here's how you can hack people into listening to your show by accident is if you find someone who's not Paul McCartney, whose name happens to be Paul McCartney be like, we have Paul McCartney on the show. We have if Paul McCartney. Really I, right. I, look, we you're my Paul
0: McCartney.
1: Yeah. I think you should find that guy for me and, and we'll bring him up. Okay. I'll, I'll try to find it. The first guy that got the COVID vaccine in England was some random old guy whose name happened to be William Shakespeare. Yeah. So like, there's Should other people out on? here. <laughs> get him out. It's like, we have Shakespeare on the podcast. That, so that would be, be good. impressive. Only he's like 90 something. So I don't think he'd be a great interview.
3: Well, you never know. Some 90 um, year old.
1: S- some are with it. Not all though. <laughs> some are with
3: it.
1: We continue with that. Who is the uh, who's the most interesting person you've had on? Who has told the best stories?
3: I've had a lot of guests who have been really great. Probably one of the guests who's most special to me was when I was really like when I was the first artist I ever got into, like before I was even old enough to be into music, like when I was like four years old, five years old, was this mm-hmm. artist, Tom Shapin, who's like an amazing singer song. I of oh, Tom
1: Shapin. <laughs>
3: Tom Shapin. He's like this children's musician artist. Yeah. and I, I was such a fan when I was a kid. And I had him on my podcast. and he wasn't the most important person in the world uh, mm-hmm. the, you know realm of the world that I've had but he was by far one of my favorite interviews because it just felt really special to talk with him. And we talked about music. We talked about guitar. We talked about his brother, Harry Shapen, who's a legendary songwriter. And that was like kind of emotional for me because I I was like obsessed with him when I was like five years old. I was like (laughs) deeply rooted in Tom Shapen. I feel like anyone who I have, who I've had on my podcast, who I looked up to when I was in like high school or college, Mm -hmm. that's been the most exciting and the most fun Just because I think like, you know, when you look up to someone during that time, it feels different than when you look up to someone, you know, now it's like, you know, it's rude in you in a different way. So any of the like big label heads in Nashville or any of the big managers or like any of the big artists that like I used to listen to their music in my dorm room or I used to listen to them on other people's podcasts and then all of a sudden I'm face to face with them.
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
3: That's been really cool. And then, you know, with a lot of people on my podcast, I'm fortunate that I get to become, you know, we meet on my podcast often Mm -hmm. and then we hit it off and we kind of become friends off the podcast. And, that's awesome. And that's really cool too, especially when it's people that like, I never thought I would have any kind of relationship with. And then all of a sudden we're like DMing on Instagram and uh, sending gifts back and forth. That's
1: and awesome.
0: <laughs> you ever get nervous? Um,
3: Yeah, I usually get nervous for the people that I was into in high school or college. Like the same yeah. class of people are usually who I get nervous for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes, but often I think I did early on when I first started it but unless it's someone really big now I usually just get really excited like I'm just excited to talk with these people um if it's someone really big I'll get a little nervous still but the other thing is I spend so much time doing like prep and I I stay up to like two in the morning or three in the morning just like Mm -hmm. reading everything and doing tons of prep um and I think that's probably why I don't get as nervous because I just feel very prepared um that's that's good that's good to do prep.
1: That's why. Yeah, I- it's <laughs> very good to do prep. I mean, I do not feel like I needed to do too much prep this time, personally, just because I've known you for my entire life, almost 24 years now. So it's a little easier for me.
2: Yeah. Um, that's I- the
3: other thing. Like, occasionally, I'll have friends on my podcast also. Yeah. And that's kind of more, like, that's very low stress. And it's fun. And right. I know that, like, we're going to have a good banter. We'll be able to go back and forth. Yeah there'll be good conversation. I don't, and I know their life story. I don't need to prep too much about it, but um.
1: usually when we have guests on though, I'll do a good amount of prep work. The last one, we didn't really have to do a ton. Cause I had a lot of, so the last person we had on actually last week was Brendan Steer. He is a filmmaker and he made this uh, great film called the Velocipaster. It's like a really low budget film. It's pretty funny. We had him on, he was awesome for that. Like I did some research, but I mostly just asked him like questions about it and just, questions related to like low budget movies and whatnot then before that we had this guy the gator crusader on
0: who was so much fun
1: He was i did quite a bit of research on him he i actually told the
3: gator crusader like fill me into the gator crusader is 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 he tiger king king's cousin like what's
1: the Mm, not really because he understands that the alligators could kill him The Tiger King was like, oh, they love me. He's like, yeah, or you'll get bit in the water, I'm dead. Like, he at least acknowledges that he's going to (laughs) die. But he's definitely on, like, the level of more of, like, he's less afraid of an alligator than you should be, in my personal opinion. But he was awesome. He had some crazy stories.
0: And he does have that same kind of showmanship. Like, he got Mm -hmm. married in a gator pit. He is out there, like, dancing in a Speedo. Yeah. He's so funny.
1: He was awesome, dude. God. How'd you find him?
3: How'd you reach out to
1: him? I actually found a video of him. There's a famous video of him falling into a gator pit, and he somehow like didn't die, which he was telling us about how he thought he was 100 percent dead. Like he, he said he well, he's like continuing the performance. He was like touching his head. He was like, "Hey, he thought like best case scenario he's missing an arm. He said he was continue the show so he want to freak out the kids, but he was like, I gotta touch the back of my head. I going to feel my brain. So basically, I found this video of him falling in, and then I found out that he was still alive. And then I was just like, I texted Emmy. I'm like, "Hey, do I have this guy you on?" Texted him? No, I, t- I texted Emmy. She's like, "Hey, do I have oh. this guy on?" And then I followed him on Twitter and then shot him a DM, and he said he'd love to come on.
3: Look, the power of
1: the DM, the power of the uh, yeah. People. Yeah. Will come on.
3: How
0: we get most of our guests is
3: yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, people. People will come on.
1: Yeah, for sure.
3: <laughs> Wait, so has he been your most interesting guest? Would you say?
1: I mean, how can you top someone who's been working with alligators for like 38 years. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <So laughs> was a former you, pro Zach wrestler.
0: Share, Zach, you have to share some stories that yeah. parallel that,
1: <laughs> that what? the parallel that. Tell tell me about a time that you were bitten by an artist and how'd you escape?
3: I have one story <laughs> where I was interviewing um an in artist, Ingrid Andrus, who I don't know if you're familiar with her. No. She was just nominated for a Grammy this year for like oh, a wow, new <laughs> artist. Um, she's kind of on the newer side but she's had massive success this year and last mm-hmm. year I was doing an interview with her and I was like really excited for it because she's a really big deal and I was like this is gonna be an awesome thing and I'm in the interview I'm like five minutes in and someone starts banging on my door at first I'm like nobody ever bangs on my door in my apartment like it's never happened mm-hmm. so I was like you know I think I'll, I'll let me ignore this or whatever. and they keep like violently banging on my door And she says, she's like, do you have to get that? And I'm like, hold on, Ingrid. Like, give me one second. And I race over, and there's like a homeless man who somehow broke into my apartment as like banging on my door. So I'm like, yeah, like I'm trying to be, I'm like, I can't talk right now. And I'm like, okay. So I go sit back down. And she's like, who was I was like, it was a homeless man. (laughs) And we keep talking and he keeps banging on my door. So I'm like, holy shit, this homeless man is gonna ruin my interview with (laughs) Ingrid And eventually he went away. And I thought about cutting that part out when I was editing, but I was like,
1: no, this is really funny. So I kind of like shortened it, but I left it in. (laughs) That's what you got to do. I mean, so we did a Halloween special, right? And halfway through it, uh, Emmy's phone died. Right as we were talking about something like...
0: It wasn't on a guest, though.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a guest, but like, I know, but we just kept it. it. So her phone died right as we were talking about like...
0: It was was a scary thing and we we're like oh like it kind of freaks me out and we were like what like what? I was like, so
1: saw, like what if someone what if you saw someone on the screen behind you then all of a sudden her like screen just goes black i'm like uh <laughs> <laughs> we kept it in but shortened it but that's we haven't had anything crazy like that yet except that's, for
0: steve's parents just like coming into his
1: room during the interview that was one time i muted the mic that was bad
3: <laughs> i've got one more i think in my third or fourth interview that i, did, I was interviewing mm-hmm. um, Uh, John Cohen, who's the founder of Vagrant Records, who signed bands like the 1975. And we were talking about distribution, like the early days, how did he distribute the label? And I had read in an interview with his co-founder that they distributed their CDs in the early days with like a porn distributor. And then the porn distributor actually got shot in like a battle royale um, and died and they had to find a new distributor. So I'm on the interview with him and I go... John, what's the story about how you used to distribute your CDs with a porn distributor and then did the guy get shot and he goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, (laughs) John, I read this in an interview. He's like, I don't think that's true. And I was like, what? And then I went back and I looked and it wasn't the interview with his co-founder. His co-founder did set it, but he was like, that's not true. I don't know what he's talking about and then i felt really weird that i was like bringing up a porn distributor like, <laughs> in, this, in this podcast i was like he must think i'm crazy but it was in the interview his co-founder said it
0: co-founder <laughs> just made it up do you think i don't know and then he
3: said he was like you know so he said on the uh recording he's like so and so is prone to like exaggerate
1: stories a little
3: bit which i thought was really a funny.
0: little bit
1: that's well, really funny <laughs> so I was, like, he probably thinks i'm a total
3: weirdo just like
1: so yeah you got into grilling this summer, didn't you? When you're up in Vermont,
3: dude, we big, got a you're um, big.
1: You're a big, uh, a big uh, smoker now. Not not like cigarettes. I mean, like food.
3: We, we got them. a big smoker up in Vermont. We got one of those. Well, everyone's always making fun of me because they think I should have gotten the big green egg. Is that what you guys mm-hmm. have?
1: Yeah, we have a green egg.
3: The big green egg. We got the Komodo Joe, which is like a big red egg. We got this because I came home. I was in Nashville for maybe like the first six months of the pandemic, and then I. Came home, drove home like 14 hours, got in my car, drove home to New York. I was with my dad and we were talking about how we've always wanted to like have a smoker and like smoke food and we never have. So we were like, screw it, let's get one. So we did a little research. <laughs> we got we got like a big Komodo Joe. We were going to get a smaller one, but we were like, we were like should we get that one? My dad was like, no, 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 we're going one up. We, we want to be able to cook more food. So we got like this massive Komodo Joe. We were smoking all through the summer. It was insane. We were doing ribs. We were doing fish. We were doing like full chickens. Um, yeah, it was badass. Now it's covered in snow. We can't get to it. So oh, that's too bad. We're done for the season. <laughs> and then we started doing pizzas on it. Also, mm-hmm. do, you, do you guys have? Because you guys have the big green. Yeah. App, right?
1: So we got a pizza stone, and it's pretty good. I mean, smoky pizza is not necessarily the best thing, but it's not bad to make a pizza on a grill.
3: You've got to do like like no wood. Like you don't put any. Yeah, wood. You, you don't you want to have the
1: like apple wood. It's gonna be bad. No
3: apple wood when you're smoking a pizza super hot temperature and you can do it for like in 90 seconds you can cook a pizza.
1: Last time I was up in Vermont we made like ribs I want to say or bri- we made brisket. I made a brisket. It was pretty good.
0: Oh, I love brisket. That's rock
3: solid. Hey yeah. have you guys seen this TV show Ted Lasso?
1: No.
0: I've heard about it but I have I
3: just, I just started watching it last night and I literally watched like five episodes. I couldn't turn it off. It's with Jason Sudeikis from mm-hmm. SNL and he plays a like a soccer coach in America.
1: Oh, I've seen the commercials.
3: And, yeah. and he gets like drafted to go to the UK and be a football coach but he knows nothing about football. And he like I think what's going to happen is that he's going to end up being an amazing football coach like he's definitely going to lead the team to victory, but it is
1: so funny. You have to watch the show. I got to check that out. I actually have seen commercials for it. I was considering it. I haven't and- been like watching TV, so I might pick it up i have nothing i have no shows i'm watching
3: that might be the one <laughs> ted lasso highly recommend emmy are, are you watching anything what's on the uh what's on the tv i
0: have been absolutely crushing survivor
2: really, <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs>
0: i'm getting so into it the more recent episodes so they just put survivor on netflix which is how i got into it but there's 43 seasons on hulu Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like an endless stream of content. Yeah. The drama is great. The survival aspect is great. You can't get any better. I'm obsessed. And I think I'm going to apply <laughs> to be on Survivor. Is it
1: still, still going
3: on? Yeah. I don't think that the level of strategy, like Survivor to me is all strategy based. Yeah. Like, I don't think I have that in me. But you feel like you could be a good Survivor?
0: I, I really do. <laughs>
3: Oh my God! Would you like? Because I think what you do on that show doesn't really say how you treat people in real life. Like that show is fucking war. Like, would you be like a backstabber and like create like false, you know, alliances and then di- you know ditch them for your best interest? But it's hard because at the end everyone votes for you.
0: Yeah. You
3: can't. So I everyone think bad, I little. think
0: my strategy would kind of be like stay in the background a little bit. I'm not going to be the person out there like coordinating the alliances or backstabbing Mm -hmm. anyone. Just try to like ride it out, be a good teammate. But then when push comes to shove, like I think you kind of have to do some backstabbing. You've
3: got to do, because if you stay in the back too long, that doesn't work either. Like that's maybe a strategy early on, but if if you don't make enough connections then you get voted out really easily, yeah, right? You've yeah. got to, that's the thing.
0: It's, it's a delicate balance for sure.
3: It's
1: really hard. I don't think I, I would do very well at all on Survivor. I've actually never seen the Survivor, so I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I feel like once you go through middle school as a girl, you have all of the skills you need.
1: <laughs> that's the,
3: I never went uh, through middle school as a girl. I never had that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think, because I don't, Like, I don't think I have any like like I do not know how to like scheme against other people to win a game of any kind. Like (laughs) I don't think I could do that. But you you feel conf you're like I could do that.
0: You're making me sound bad over here, Zach. No,
3: I think (laughs) I'm making you sound good. Like I couldn't like I I, cause I watched that show first. So I had a job probably like two years ago where Um, we, we were, my boss and I were in his office and it was like the end of the year and we kind of wrapped everything and we spent an entire week watching Survivor and we were like commenting on everyone. And we were both like, these people are so smart. Like we thought they were brilliant. We were like, we could not fathom scheming to the degree and the level that they were scheming at. I think it's like a big deal. Like I'm impressed by these people who go on Survivor and just absolutely crush it. That's what I think. (laughs)
0: i think i could get pretty far
3: you gotta do this you gotta do this
0: i also i love camping i used to lead Mm -hmm. uh backpacking trips in california so i feel like i have that part down but the social skills are a totally different animal you're right
3: i think you gotta try it what do you win you win a million dollars is that the prize of you win survivor what Mm -hmm. would you do with a million dollars if you had a million dollars what would the first thing not that much money what yeah but yeah but in the grand buy, scheme of things in new york make, city you could make like some kind of indulgent purchase like steven how many fishing rods would you buy if you had a million?
1: I, I got one good one for like 150 bucks i'm set i don't really need one for a while But
3: well, like would you buy like a fishing boat would you push? i mean
2: would you buy, would you no i mean
1: like i'm being 100 percent honest like a million dollars is a lot more money than i currently have but like right. in new york a million dollars does not take you very far.
0: I, I'm not going to be sitting here doing my nine to five job if I win
1: Survivor. But like, that's still not a ton of money. If it I, was like 10 million, that's different. If
0: you win Survivor, you're instantly an influencer too.
1: That's true. That is true.
0: So, I feel like I would just pack up, like get a van,
3: This is what drive you
0: around, become an influencer. You drive
3: around in a van.
0: Yeah, just the van life go hiking
3: so you would basically take the survivor lifestyle and you would just keep it going (laughs) the outdoors the van the strong strong
2: yeah
3: and you would use the million dollars to buy the van
0: and get me going as an influencer so I can quit my job
3: quit the job
0: podcast is gonna skyrocket yeah i mean uh, podcast no, is gonna that, that's the
3: benefit. thing holy right?
0: shit i'm
2: like
3: so this like, early guest i'll never yeah. be able
0: to get on ever again
1: <laughs> so look so when i i, I obviously lost because no one won the fucking mega millions but when i bought the mega millions my thought is like i'm gonna first of all um i'm definitely gonna like quit any other semblance of a job and just do this full-time because i can just talk and not have to worry about financials i'd be pretty sweet exactly
0: that's a good place to be right yeah with your co-host
1: oh yeah no i would i would make you quit so that, that way we can grow here's whatever you're getting paid now let's make more money podcasting but alas i didn't win the mega millions did i tell you guys the story of how i almost won 100k but so no, i,
3: playing, I almost went uh, 100 this
1: is why i hate sports so i play one of those free pick em games right by nbc Fun fact, I didn't know this until after the fact, my cousin actually created the Pick'em game. So there could have been a conflict of interest So it's good I didn't win. So this game, right? Basically, it's like Pick'em and I had it perfect, right? Like going into the end of the fourth quarter, I had it perfect. Last two minutes, Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback for the 49ers, throws a pick six. I lost 100K and they gave me $4 and there was a $10 fee for taking money out of the account. So if I ever collect my money... I end up paying them money and I don't get anything.
3: Oh my that god, that is just rude.
1: I was so I was two minutes away from a hundred thousand dollars.
3: Okay, what would you have gotten with a hundred thousand dollars?
1: I mean, I would have quit my like I, I thought I would have been from doing nothing. I would have done nothing. Right. You would quit with a hundred thousand, but you're saying a million's not that yeah. much.
3: You've got your numbers wrong. What well, you-
1: no, 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 no. I mean, if I won a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, at that point, I would have quit my. Oh, I would have quit my day job because I hated my old job. I'm not going to really talk were, about. It.
3: What is Steven, You were so enthusiastic about $100,000, but a million dollars, you're like, that's not that much money. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, but I, I mean,
1: like to completely change it doesn't make your life.
3: Makes sense.
1: Yeah, but there were, the difference is like I, I had a really shitty job that I was trying to quit anyway, and my thought is I've got a hundred million. Like, I have a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. That is like that is like two and a I've half years a salary at the job is I, more I, than a hundred thousand. Getting a new job. I was focused on getting a new job. Okay. Okay. That was my I, thought I, I process. All. I'm all just right. so pissed off that like I, I was two minutes away from a hundred K and then this asshole threw a pick six and ruined it for me.
3: Did you tell him I would have reached out and called him out? No,
1: I, I, I what's the point? <laughs> He's, done. He's a backup, He's a, backup he quarterback.
3: <laughs> it was done. It was done. Yeah.
0: Back, what would you do with a million dollars?
3: Uh, what I would do with a million dollars is, first of all, I would I would probably go buy some vintage guitar. I'm a big guitar player, and I've never owned anything vintage or anything cool, and I would, because it's so expensive, I would buy a vintage guitar. Probably, like, a vintage Fender, vintage Stratocaster, vintage te- something there, probably 60 grand is what one of those things costs. Um, if I really wanted to be a baller, I could go buy a 59 Les Paul. I could blow it all on a 59 Les Paul for a million dollars. Is that a
1: million-dollar guitar? 250
3: to seven hundred fifty thousand to a million dollars depending on the condition but um but that that's what if i had that much money i would i would get that or investment you
1: could you could buy four in not great condition and restore I could, I could, them it, it, and then sell three of them for a marked up price and then yeah. you end up with more money
3: that that's what that's the kind of thing like i think most guitar players always fantasize about like owning a 59 Les paul what blows my mind is like the opportunity cost of owning one of those guitars is insane like the fact that you have like a, a million dollars wrapped up in a piece of wood is ridiculous yeah like how much money do you have to have where, where you don't miss a million dollars wrapped up in a piece of wood by the way they make amazing reproduction 59 less balls like you can get a 59 less ball that's not a 59 less ball but you know for two grand but everybody's it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah.
1: We're like, uh, we're running out of time on the free Zoom. I'm just gonna add you guys to a new one. Give me one sec.
3: Steven, why don't you have the paid zoom? What is this? Is <laughs> the first thing you can get with the hundred grand is a paid zoom account. And it went hundred grand. That's the issue. Yes, 100%. this is the first I would buy. I can't believe you're what is this? This is this is insane. Are you gonna send me another link now?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh
1: my god. I'm sorry, I don't have I just don't have it. <laughs> um, what a hassle! I know, right? I wish. Right over. Let's let's go. Let's go. I was not in town for the playoffs,
3: but the yeah. NFL draft last year was absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, I know. People were. I don't understand why people go to watch the draft. Like, I well, don't, understand, I don't
3: understand either. But it was so crowded downtown. And I was in an office building that was like looking over the whole thing. So we kind mm-hmm. of had a bird's eye view on top of it. And it was, it was nuts. There were so many people there and people were freaking out over this draft. Like people would like people's names would get called and they'd get drafted and the whole place would like erupt. It was insane.
1: It's funny. Cause like, unless you seriously watch college football, who the hell are these people? <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah.
1: Right. The jets have sucked. So they have a really like high pick. So I'm like, I'll watch. Cause I have to watch like three names be called. I can wait three names. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know,
3: an idea that I've had for a podcast, All which right. I want to throw out there, because I think it'd be like, this is good TikTok content. You want some TikTok content? Yeah. I'm going to give it to you, okay? Here we
0: go. I've
3: kind of had this idea, which I think would be pretty crazy. Like, pick a guest, okay? Get on podcast and plan this whole, like, kidnapping prank thing with them. Like, imagine right now, like, I was on this podcast and, like, some guy came and just grabbed me and drag me <laughs> off screen and it was totally a prank when you kind of freak out if it was done well and then you can yeah. post the content of like that is another person freaking out or is that, that is, too cruel what do you think could that be funny i don't even know how you pull it off i think i don't know how you pull it off but it could you be know, funny
0: how would that even work
3: i think like like someone could just like come in and just be like oh my god like who are you like i don't think i could do it like what like i could just be like what are you doing and then he would drag me off screen like
1: this. we need someone who can like act well, though. That's the thing. <laughs> you would need to be a really good actor. Yeah. yeah, that could go viral on TikTok.
3: That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. That, that's like someone should try to pull that off.
1: That's a good yeah, idea. So I guess speaking of TikTok content and some fun things, we want to do some hypotheticals with you because it's always fun. Give me some hypotheticals. Okay.
0: So, all right. So good. you wake up one day. And you are a dog, and you're in your house with your family, and you have to convince your family that you are Zach. How do you do this?
3: Wait, but I have like I have full brain capability.
0: You are Zach in your mind, but just
1: your body is a
0: dog's body. It's basically
1: a dog. You can't use words. You can only bark.
0: What kind? What kind kind of
3: dog?
2: Whatever kind of dog dog, you want.
3: Big dog. A tiny dog doesn't matter The issue is like you, it's really hard to write. I'm not gonna have opposable thumbs.
1: Yeah, you, you can't write things. You don't have fine motor skills.
3: What would I do to convince them that it was me? Yeah, so they don't put me out on the street because my family's not a big dog family. So.
2: <laughs> no,
1: the pressure is on for you, Zach.
3: <laughs> really fucking on. Holy shit. Would I be able to like show that I was more intelligent than like a normal dog? I mean, what would you do?
1: How I, I don't know what the answer. Okay. Is. The only I mean, there's no real answer, but the only thing I can really think of is like, you got to just like take a shit and just spell I'm Zach in the poop, because like,
3: could but, I hold a pen and like go like, a go a on point. my hind legs so like and kind of lean back, so I'm like upright like dogs sometimes do, and
1: then I can take my two paws with a pen and write. I, I'm just thinking like you got to poop because like then you can just use your hands be like I. M Zach. That's not that many things to write.
3: Yeah, that, that, that seems gross. I know it's disgusting,
1: but like they also they will notice it too. It's an interesting idea. That's the only that's the only like logical one. That
3: kind of gives me anxiety, this concept. This is- <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: wait till you hear Steve's banana question. I yeah, hear
1: the banana question. All right. So what would you do if you're going to go eat your banana, right? You peel it off, and then you notice it has your face and it starts screaming that you're killing it.
3: Well, let me ask you this. If trees screamed, would we be so cavalier about cutting them down? And I think we might if they screamed all the time for no good reason.
1: That's true. Your face screaming, I'm dying, I'm dying. What do you do? What would I
3: do? I would maybe still eat the banana.
1: (laughs) I think I would just, I would call a therapist, probably be like, hey, I don't know what the fuck just happened, but there's something wrong. (laughs) I think I would still eat the banana. I think
3: I would. Yeah. Right, give me another one what else what else
0: here's a classic if you classic, were...
3: classic. a classic. classic here's a classic lay it on me <laughs> if
0: you were invisible for a day what would you do
3: problem is like one day is not enough time to like really travel like i'd probably like like i'm limited to where i would like where i can get in a day right mm-hmm. yeah is this during normal times or like during a pandemic let's just say normal times normal times invisible for a day what would i do Oh my god! I'm like, what would I do if I was invisible? I would um, would I like shoplift some ex- like something like a 59 Les Paul guitar? Like, like what would I do if you I was? invisible?
0: gonna like people are gonna see that moving.
3: Yeah, but if I can get away with it, they won't seem they won't know it was me, right? Oh, Probably I, hard to get away with. This. I
1: I know what I would do now. What I would, would go you- I'd go somewhere where they're filming like a ghost hunting show oh and And i would legit like freak him out i'd legit like just throw things around and then they'll like actually freak him out and think there's an actual ghost there it's just me yeah maybe i'd do that 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 yeah like that would be fun because you could really mess with people especially because like those ghost hunting tv shows a lot of them are like full of shit those people on tv who are like oh look this book i just pulled off the shelf just moved on its own just like actually mess with them and just that might
3: be that might be what i do i might um i might do that That and then the
1: thing is when everyone's like oh my god it's actually haunted and goes they're like these people are frauds because they'll go there right and nothing will happen because it was just me the whole time
3: that's but i could make it like actually haunted (laughs) yeah i know yeah or maybe i just like want to hang around people who know me and like see if they talk like what they say about me.
0: that's what i would do i would eavesdrop on people
1: I, i would just like see what people do when you know behind my back I might also just go somewhere that I'm not allowed to go normally or no one's allowed to go. Like where? Like where? Like what is that? I don't know. I would like – maybe I'd sneak into um, – I don't know. I'd probably sneak into like a museum, the archives, or somewhere I'm not allowed to be. The archives. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I like that. Just see the stuff you're not – not everyone go gets to the see. the archives, go through – yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's
3: a good just, answer. I like it. Yeah, the I think that would be cool. The invisibility question. I yeah. A that's classic. A- a classic. A classic. Classic.
0: All right. Here's another one.
2: It hit me.
0: So if someone offered you $10,000 for every time they punched you in the face, how many times would you get
1: hit? Uh, I wouldn't. Never? Who, who's punching you? Well, how hard of a punch? Not like a... Is it Mike Tyson or average no. Joe? It's if not going like a face professional is not gonna fighter. get fighter. It's like... Oh, yeah. I would I, I guess I would I would
3: do it if well, my, if there's any risk of my face like gang deformed I like it's not worth it
1: well the question also is how bad is the damage because is the damage going to cost more than ten thousand dollars I'm not sure I'd do it for a million
3: but Stephen would do it for a hundred thousand
1: I don't know no it dep- actually probably not because realistically if I lose if they break my teeth it's gonna cost. Yeah, me it's dollars. not
3: worth it for uh, for ten grand. It's like Wait, well,
0: let's say like nothing about your face is like broken or defer- deformed. It just like
1: hurts.
3: I, I I just don't want to get punched. I just don't and really I,
0: like
1: getting punches. Isn't fun. <laughs> ten grand really isn't that much. Yeah. I have a question. Do you believe in aliens?
0: Not a hypothetical.
1: Not a hypothetical. Just in general. <laughs> I feel like there's got, I've always felt like there's got
3: to be some, like the odds of us being the only things in the universe is like just not possible. Yeah. Too big. I don't know like what it is. I also like the theory that like aliens have like come to us and they've just been like, we're so unintelligent that they just like pass over us. I kind of like that theory.
1: I've always been someone who like, I don't really buy UFOs. I mean, I think that there are definitely unidentified flying objects, but I just don't really buy that aliens have any interest in us.
3: Yeah, right. That's like that's. Yeah, like, but I, I also like the uh, Elon Musk theory that we're all living in a simulation. Yeah. That the odds of this not being a simulation is is less likely than it being a simulation. That always blows my mind. That theory. Yeah.
0: That was kind of my theory this year. Is like, what if we're living in a simulation and someone just like dropped hot coffee on their computer? And that's why all this shit has been happening. That's
1: why we're fucking. Yeah, out. I mean, we could be in a simulation. Who knows? Or some get somebody's like worst day in a
3: simulation. It's like
1: I know, right? I don't fully buy the whole simulation thing, but also like it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if we are a simulation, the simulation is still real to us. And we're still bound by the laws of the simulation. We're
2: still good, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, so, it's really like, so it's like just as a simulation doesn't mean we can act differently because if I get killed, I still get killed in the simulation.
3: Yeah, I totally agree.
2: Yeah,
3: we've covered a lot of ground here today.
2: Yeah, yeah look at this. Deal. We we've uh, got
3: hypotheticals. We've we've got aliens. We talked about the podcasting.
2: Yeah,
1: we yeah. Uh, we cover a lot. So we don't want to keep you too much longer. Just plug everything. Where can people find you?
3: Plug everything. the dot com. We cover Nashville news, global music news, and you can listen to my podcast, the Zach Kuhn Show, because I'm an egomaniac. Um, at all your podcast listening platforms, mm-hmm. we've got a great podcast coming out uh, this week with Ben Vaughn, who is the CEO of Warner Chapel mm-hmm. Nashville. Um, I mean, a great conversation conversation about all kinds of things. So, um tune in, check it out, subscribe to the newsletter, and if anyone's in Nashville, say hello, come say mm-hmm. hi. And where can they find you on social media? Zach Cune Official is my Instagram handle. Which is a funny story. How? Why it is that? Um, which I'll tell you in a sec. But um, <laughs> and then national briefing at national briefing. So I didn't have an Instagram forever, and then when I was a freshman in college, a friend of mine said that I had to have an Instagram account. She was pissed that I didn't have one, so she made the account for me, and she called it Zach Cune official. And, and oh, then she ran it for a couple months. Like she would take photos of me, like every time we were <laughs> in Syria, and she'd post them. Um, and then after a couple months, I took it over, but I kept the handle.
1: So it's Zach official. (laughs) I love it. Well, thanks for coming on, Zach. This was a great time. Guys, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. God's
3: work. Steven, (laughs) Steven with the SEO. Yeah. Absolutely crushing it for me. He doesn't... I mean... We went from, like, we were, like, bottom of the first page to we're now top of the first page. Yeah, we dominate right?
1: Nashville. We briefing.
3: absolutely dominated it. As long, as long
1: as Nashville's not in the news for something crazy, you're uh, you're on the top page.
3: <laughs> guys, thanks for having me on. This was fun. And yeah. uh, one of these days, we'll, we'll have to do the podcast in person. Whenever. Oh,
1: for sure. Well, thank you, Zach. All right, and we're back. We're going to talk about episode 10 of Kid Nation. Only two more after this, guys. So I guess we're going to do the last two episodes. Then where are they now? Because I think there, someone did that and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Do you want to uh, kick it off?
0: Sure. So it kind of kicks off where the last episode left off at the town council and they are picking new town leaders mm-hmm. because people were not happy with the job that the council was doing.
1: Yeah. And they made them all do speeches.
0: Yeah. So on the yellow team, Zach gets up there and gives like a, a speech where he's just like, give me another chance, guys, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's going up against Blaine. And Blaine ends up winning.
1: Was that one close or was that by a lot?
0: I think it was by kind of a lot. Because Blaine got the gold star last week. He's proven that he's a good leader. So that kind of made sense. Yeah. On the red team kylan just gets up there and is like please vote me off (laughs) he's like yeah
1: he doesn't even try
0: yeah so dk is now their leader who i love
1: i'm a big fan of dk
0: yeah so green i just the first thing i have down is green laurel's fucking pissed
1: dude (laughs) She was so power hungry. Oh my god.
0: She was so so mad that Michael had even challenged her in the first place.
1: Yeah um, I know. That like, was not good.
0: In my opinion Laurel has been a pretty good leader. Yeah. And like had a lot of good ideas but she did some weird stuff like she didn't take anyone off her team last time. She's just Like you said, I think she's getting a little power hungry. And no one challenged her last time that they did. a.
1: She's really, we'll get into it later, but she's really power hungry.
0: So Michael gets up there and gives a speech that he's like, I just want to test myself, whatever. I don't think that's a good reason, but he does get voted in. Mm He
1: wins
0: six to
1: three. I think Greg swept, uh, not really, but he sort of mopped the floor with Ange.
0: Yeah, which made sense. Also,
1: Andre's like, give me a second chance. This is your third chance, dude.
0: Your third chance. People we gave you a really second chance do.
1: and you didn't do anything with it.
0: So Greg wins, which means now Greg and Blaine are in town council and people it's all are-
1: boys, 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 boys now.
0: Yeah. Which is not a good thing either. In not my necessarily. So people are freaking out about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the problem too is, and I think the producers might have got their grubby little hands all over this too. One of the issues they ran into is that they went in with the mindset that Greg and Blaine are going to ruin the town council. Yeah. They sort of set themselves up for failure by being like, we're just going to react like everything they do is going to ruin the town.
0: Yeah. Well, I think also like people know that Greg is a total hothead.
1: Yeah, that is a problem. I agree.
0: They feel like he is... Is just going to be like a dictator. Yeah. So now they're having like their first little meeting as town council. And they're trying to think of like, what, what do we want to fix about the town? Mm-hmm. And they come up with the communication game.
1: Oh my God. That's...
0: Do you want to talk through the communic- Yeah.
1: So basically, the communication game was. Um, everyone has to say something about themselves, and if anyone interrupts or is rude or disrespectful, basically, they start over. And I didn't disagree with the game, right? It's like mm-hmm. I understand the argument as a well there he's the most disrespectful person. Who's he to tell us about being disrespectful? But it's like if you guys could have just been respectful for twenty minutes, that would have ended.
0: Yeah. And then it seemed like it took a lot longer than that.
1: I do agree with them. I think that they are, that everyone is being really disrespectful. They're like talking out of line, all that stuff.
0: Yeah. And it is hard to get 40 kids to stay quiet for that long. Yeah. When they're sitting in a room with like no adult leadership. Like it just reminds me of like sitting in the cafeteria at lunch, like Yeah. Imagine if one kid tried to get up there and be like, everyone stop talking for 20 minutes. Like it's not going to happen.
1: I know that's the issue. It's like, it just wasn't realistic. It wasn't going to happen.
0: I liked that. They had the thought and I thought so
1: too.
0: good, Good intentions.
1: They had very good intentions, but I think it just went wrong.
0: Yeah. So next I have is when Greg and Blaine stumble upon the green team having Stumble. a conversation yeah that's the word they use they're like we just stumbled upon okay cabin and heard them talking I, about us
1: that was a hundred percent set up because there was a camera guy in there recording yeah, yeah. that he's like yo they're talking to you about blaine and greg that they're over here
0: yeah and so they're like listening outside and everyone inside is like these guys are not gonna do a good job michael is in there like I don't know why I didn't say anything during the communication game. That was terrible. sort
1: have pulled us out. It's like, "No, dude, that would have been disrespectful if your district is
0: Greens can't be bothered just, like, so full of themselves. They think that they're like high and mighty."
1: They're kind of annoying.
0: Yeah. Like they're They're good kids, but they're also just like they they really love themselves.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, they love themselves a little too much. I think they're so great so basically they hear overhear them and they say something like i'd rather greg and blaine didn't didn't do anything and just sat in the town complimenting people so they did that the next day and the guy that said that was like why are you helping you shouldn't be doing that it's like well Well, someone said that we should just sit in town complimenting people
2: kind of funny because
0: people are walking up they're like hey, nice shorts, Laurel. Like, you wear those every day. Like, they're so cool.
1: (laughs) It was kind of funny.
0: That was funny. But then after that, like, stuff just blew up.
1: I know. There was just a lot of screaming and drama this episode. I know. And Laurel was having a panic attack that she could no longer control everything, which is not good.
0: I had a friend call me while I was watching this episode and they were like, what? I feel like they've just been, like, screaming for five minutes straight. (laughs)
1: that's so funny yeah there was a lot of yelling so taylor was having a moment where she was becoming bitchy taylor again and she was like i'm not doing any work because i'm gonna go home is kind of sad and then they sort of convinced her to go home they're also like we're not going to give you the prize if you're not going to pull your own weight but i think that's a pretty decent threat
0: i just kind of felt like she really has fallen from grace like she used to be on the town council and like
1: Get airtime.
0: And, and now it's just kind of sad. I feel like she's just acting out because she's like tired and like wants to go home. Yeah. I mean, all of her friends have left.
1: I know. It's not the same as when she uh was in charge. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's kind of just kind of sad.
1: I know. Was the next thing that really happened just the uh the challenge? the challenge? Yeah. The challenge looked really fucking difficult.
0: It was really hard.
1: Yeah, so they had like pies. Then to get them like across the way, they like balance them, like two people on one side, like elevated.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't think I could have done
2: that.
0: And then they get the pie to the town council leader who has to like scoop out the pie. And these four kids are so hungry. And they're just like scooping it on the ground. And at the bottom there's a picture of some kind of technology, whether it's like a television or a typewriter or whatever. And they have to put these technologies into chronological order of when they were uh-huh. invented. I'm not gonna I'm random. I'm not gonna
1: lie, maybe I'm really off base here, but I would have thought that the radio was invented before the telephone.
0: Yeah, it. some of them were really hard. Like, I, and, and all three teams, or all four teams got them right.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I was like, how? I feel like they must have given them a hint.
1: Maybe, like, some, like, obviously, like, the Telegraph and Typewriter. Actually, I don't know what Typewriter was, but obviously, the Telegraph was first. But, like.
0: They're probably learning that in, like, fifth grade history class. They just learned that.
1: Yeah, I would have assumed that a radio came out before a telephone.
0: And I was like, what the fuck is a phonograph?
1: Oh, and also, like, how is a phonograph, like, how'd that come out after the telephone? What is yeah, a, I'm gonna it? I'm going to Google
0: it. I don't know. I, whatever. But they they all finished the challenge.
1: Oh, a phonograph is like, okay, how did, just Google phonograph for a second, and you tell me how this thing came out after the telephone. Like, what the fuck? There's like a giant horn on it. This is stupid.
0: What do you, oh, it's like a record player.
1: Like that? How did they invent the phone before they invented this thing?
0: That's dumb.
1: Yeah, it's stupid. Okay. I guess the breakdown was blue got upper class, green are the merchants, yellow are the cooks, and red are indentured servants, as I put it.
0: (laughs) And they say again, like, Taylor hasn't been working hard, so we're not going to give her the prize.
1: Yeah. So they won the prize. And Mm -hmm. the options were they could either get ponies or they would get letters from their families which is so fucked up that they've been withholding that from them
0: i know the fact that they haven't been able to see that and then like so the town council goes back and deliberates Mm -hmm. and greg comes back and he's like so we decided to go with the ponies and everyone's like Literally, fuck you, like no. And and he's like, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing letters from home. I was, that, I, do you think he had that planned? Definitely. But it was just still funny.
1: that is was so funny, yeah. Also, we forgot about this because people were being disrespectful. They threatened to not give the star to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I guess not a lot, ton more happened because the main real like drama. Because a lot of what happened in this episode, with the time filler, was just drama and people yelling at each other, which isn't worth talking about.
0: It's just town councils.
1: Yeah. Everyone is really happy. And then Greg found out that his cousin has to go serve in Iraq or is deployed to Iraq, which is really sad. Mm. And then I guess what really happens then is they go to like the town council thing. At the end, they say who approves of the council? Like more than half the people. It was like only green team didn't approve of the council. And then Greg had a little temper tantrum. And then he's like, if everyone wants me to leave, half of you want me to leave, I'll leave now, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, we don't want you to leave, we want you to change. And then he just sort of like calmed down for a second. It's like, okay, I'll change. (laughs) He needs to come, he needs to manage that anger. Yeah, he really does.
0: And at this point I was like, I have no idea who's going to get the gold star. Like other episodes we've really been able to predict it, but this one I was like, I have no idea.
1: And the gold star went to Laurel and I don't understand why.
0: She was being such a brat.
1: She was being a brat. And all she tried to do was throw a coup, pretty much.
0: I think she has deserved it in the past. Yeah. But it's just kind of like,
1: I think it was basically just like, hey, now we're cool, right? (laughs) Yeah. So her mom had the most Boston accent I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Yeah. It was unreal.
0: She's like, you got $20,000? Let's go to the mall. I know, right? (laughs) probably kids that needed it more than you.
1: Yeah, seriously. So that was the end of Kid Nation episode 10. So that concludes our episode. Good episode. Make sure to go check out Zach at the National Briefing and also Zach Kuhn Official on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at podcast underscore misfits.
0: Check out our website, uh, misfitsandmysteries.com. We have some really good blogs up that just Mm -hmm. went up this, I guess, it's gonna be last week. So check us out.
1: Yeah, check us out. Also on our website, sign up for our newsletter. It's a monthly newsletter. It's gonna come out like the first week of every month. We'll let you know. And also check out our merch store. You can find us on T Public, Misfits and Mysteries, or just go to our website and we have a link there.
2: Stay
0: spooky.
1: Stay spooky.
0: Storybox Audio.